Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez, I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing and, of course, awesome episode of the Aviation Mentors Podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Actually, today, it's not going to be us. It's just going to be me, Brandon, solo. So hopefully you enjoy the episode. Today, we are actually going to be talking about something we haven't done in a little while. We haven't answered your Reddit questions in quite a while. So forward slash flying. And I love these types of episodes when we do them. And it's really special because we get to answer questions from actual student pilots who really don't know where to go and where to get answers from. So they go to Reddit, which are fantastic. I went through Reddit and I found some some of these questions are very old, but they keep on getting asked over and over and over again. And some of them are newer ones as well. But they're all the same questions that you should be asking or others. So I've got a list of uh, three or four of them that I'm going to try to go through today and uh, see if we can give you some insight on some questions that you might have or one of your friends might have. So here we'll start off with the first one today. And the first one is, do I need an iPad or for flight when I start flight training? Quick answer for everything is usually it depends. And it depends on a couple of things. If you go to a flight school, which puts all of your curriculum on an iPad, and that's how you study, and that's how all of your books are given to you, and things like that, then absolutely, you need the iPad right away, and you should get it. Another question that's commonly asked is, do I need one with cellular? The answer is 1,000% yes. Yes, you do. If you're going to have the iPad, you have to have it with cellular. Now, the cellular does not have to be turned on. You just have to have it because it automatically comes with a GPS chip inside of it, inside this iPad. So if you go to a smaller flight school, then you probably don't need an iPad. Actually, I would tell you not to get one or not to use one whatsoever. If you go to a smaller flight school, if you're just working in your private pilot, all it's going to do is clutter up your cockpit. It's going to clutter up your brain. You're going to be focusing on something you shouldn't be focusing on. You need to focus on flying that airplane and learning a brand new skill. That's what you need to focus on. You don't need to focus on trying to play with an iPad or learn a new piece of technology in the cockpit. You need to focus on learning how to read the cockpit. You need to know how to read your six pack, your PFD. You need to be able to read the instruments. And then you also need to be able to look outside and check for traffic and all while taking instruction from a guy or girl who you have very little time with that happens to be sitting three inches next to you. (laughs) So you really shouldn't need to have an iPad in that cockpit whatsoever. And that brings it on to the second portion of this question. Do you need four flight? No, you don't need four flight. Don't try to use four flight or learn four flight. I know there's some schools that will require you to use it or start using it because that's how they teach you how to do a weight and balance or basic things like that. And they use four flight for that. That is probably an acceptable use as long as it's been taught on ground school and you're using it before you get in the cockpit. But Really, you shouldn't be bringing that iPad to the cockpit. There's no reason for it. Not when you're first learning. Now, when you're in your cross-country phase of flight training, meaning actually you could even do it while you're doing your solo cross-countries as a private. I guess you could utilize it and use moving maps. And and it's a it's a nice added safety mechanism. But personally, I just use old-fashioned charts and I did just fine. Granted, I think it would be beneficial so you definitely don't get lost. But you want to make sure that you use it as a safety backup, and that way you really know how to how to read a chart and 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 know what the information you're being given on uh, on those charts, and and it, it really helps with different skills like dead reckoning and pilotage, right? Looking outside and seeing the distance you are from places um, in relation to what a map shows or in relation to what a VOR shows. 
those are skills that you can only learn by doing it the old fashioned way. Now, granted, you're not going to do the old fashioned way for your whole life. And I get that. There's no reason to do it the old fashioned way when we have technology, but those are skills that you need to learn that will back up other skills that you use over time, especially when you start using your iPad. So that's my kind of shortened version on to use an iPad or not use an iPad. But if you go to a Stratus school and they require you to use an iPad, then of course use the iPad because they have a reason for it or it's part of their syllabus or something like that. So keep that in mind. And if you have any more questions on this and you want kind of a deeper dive, feel free. You've got my email at the end of the podcast. Shoot me an email and I'll kind of give you some more information. I'll even set up a, a 10 minute time to, to chat on the phone. I know I did that with one of our listeners not too long ago and uh, she was fantastic to talk to. And we set up for like five or 10 minutes on the phone and I actually talked to her, I think 40 minutes. She was a great young lady who actually, I met her father through a business event in Austin. And, uh, and I think we actually might have her on the podcast coming soon uh, to kind of find out where she's at with her training. She goes actually goes to a collegiate program and wants to finish her CFI up locally. So uh, hopefully we'll talk to her pretty soon. So the next question that we're going to tackle is, what is the appropriate way to get billed? Now, this one's not that complicated, or at least it shouldn't be, but some flight schools try to pull one over on you. I'm going to talk about a, a small flight school because there's some flight schools that sell you just a program and it doesn't really matter what the Hobbs or the tax says. They just sell you a program. And if you go over that program, it doesn't even matter. I know if one of our flight schools, that's kind of a collegiate flight school type of program that Stratus works with. If, if you go 20,000 over, they eat the cost. If you go 20,000 under, they make the extra money. So they have it dialed in where you finish around the right time for the right dollar amount, right? Now, granted, there's caveats to that. They might kick you out of the program early if, if they think you're never going to finish or you're going to go way over by $20,000, things like that. So don't think that you should just go to that because it's guaranteed because it's not guaranteed. If you don't have the skill set or you can't learn the skill set, then you're probably not going to be a pilot. By the way, I think that anybody can be a pilot, but I do not believe that anybody can be a commercial pilot. I think that there's skill sets that you have to learn and manage and really understand over time for you to become a commercial pilot or, or to fly a whole airplane full of people. You have to not be scared of much. You need to be able to go for it. You need to be very confident with yourself. I would argue that there's mostly type A personalities in a cockpit. So back to the question at hand, what's the appropriate way to get billed? And this question is normally Hobbs or tax. So I'm going to talk about a smaller flight school, especially one if you're kind of paying as you go. And if you pay as you go, you should generally be charged based on the Hobbs time. And the Hobbs time is based on hourly rate. So every 0.1 it goes, that's six minutes. So if it scrolls up 0.1 on that Hobbs time, you're paying for another six minutes. And that's why you get billed at tenths of the hour typically. So Hobbs time is a typically way to get billed, but the typical way to actually track maintenance, believe it or not, is based on the tack time because you want to go on the engine time. And the tack time is calculated based on a certain RPM rate that the tachometer shows and it spins at the same rate as the Hobbs at a certain RPM. And that kind of depends on the engine. So without getting too technical into that, I'll stay with the Hobbs time because the Hobbs time is how you get billed. Typically, you should always get billed based on the Hobbs time. So if you do 1.3 hours in the airplane, you're going to pay for 1.3 hours of the airplane and you're going to typically pay for 1.3 hours of instruction time. And that's flight instruction time. Now, this kind of caveats into the next question that I found. Is it right for a CFI to charge for the whole block of time, or should they only charge me for the time that we spend in the airplane? So this depends. I would argue that if you take a CFI and you have them for two full hours, you should pay them for two hours of their time. You should pay them for that. Think about it. They're taking two hours of their day to work with you. 
Now, if they go eat a sandwich in the other room and let you go pre-flight the airplane for 30 minutes and they're not talking to you, they're hanging out with their buddies and and not doing anything with you and they still charge you for a half an hour of their time at 75 or $100 an hour or whatever it is, you should probably fire that CFI or ask your school for a new one or change schools or ask them to remove that 0.5. You should be vocal about that. Now, you also need to be wary. If somebody is watching you do a pre-flight, that doesn't mean they're not working. They're there with you watching you do a pre-flight. That means they're assessing your skills on a pre-flight. And if they see no deficiencies, maybe they're not going to say anything. Maybe they just stood there and just watched you, which is totally okay. And they should bill for that time. They're spending their time focusing on you. Like I said, if they're in the back room eating a sandwich, talking to their friends, that's a little different. Also, there's a lot of time that uh, like old school CFIs, like I don't know, guys in their 60s or something that are doing this as kind of a retirement gig, they might not charge you for the ground time. But somebody who's trying to make a living, they're going to charge for that time, right? They're going to charge for pre and post-flight briefings. Now, if somebody charges you for a pre or post-flight briefing that they did not do, you should bring that up to the flight school. Tell them, hey, they didn't even do this. I would argue that any good flight school that you go to should charge you for the whole block of time, but they should also give you value. For the whole block of time. So if they charge you for 0.2 or 0.3 or 0.5 pre-briefing or pre-flight or whatever they call it or ground ahead of time, you should pay for that as long as they do it. At the end, they should also probably do another 0.2, 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 0 0.5 debrief. If you can't brief somebody for half an hour before you go to a flight, I would argue you're not going to have a good lesson. And if you don't have 30 minutes to debrief someone on what happened on that flight and go through the whole thing, I would argue that's a poor debriefing. That's my personal opinion. There's going to be other CFIs that disagree with me and think that it can be done in, in 15 minutes or even 10 minutes, which they might be right depending on the lesson on how well it went or things like that. Sometimes you don't want to overwhelm a student. So sometimes it's appropriate to be a little bit less, but the whole question really is, is it right for the CFI to charge that whole amount? And the answer is yes, as long as they're doing the work. So make sure they're doing the work. And if they're not doing the work, be vocal about it. Ask them why they're charging you for this time. And if they can't give you a good reason, fire that CFI. Go to a new flight school. If you have a loan with Stratus, transfer your student loan to a different flight school that will respect you, okay? By the way, I know Stratus will not uh, deal with that. So if you're not getting value out of school, Stratus will intervene and we will make sure as much as we can, we can't tell the flight school what to do, obviously, but we'll talk to the flight school and be like, hey, we're having this problem. Like we wanna make sure there's, there's no issues in the future. So keep that in mind. But all the flight schools that Stratus works with, they're typically vetted and they should not be having those issues in general. And the last question, and then we'll wrap it up for the day, would be, should my school use a syllabus or should they just teach on the ACS? I'll tell you this. I created the program that vets flight schools for Stratus at least. And one of my biggest things that I required off of every single flight school that Stratus works with was, do you utilize a syllabus? And not just do you utilize one, we have the question, do you properly utilize a syllabus? I do not want the students telling me or any of our staff at Stratus or anybody that I know being a CFI or just their friend, I do not want somebody telling me that they teach their students based on this ACS alone. That's BS. You can't just teach off a government document that tells you what test standards are. That is not appropriate. I could teach you how to pass a test based on test standards, but are you going to know the information? No, you're not going to understand it. I mean, you might have some rote memorization of it. You might 
be able to understand some of it, but you're really not going to go through the levels of learning. You're not going to understand things. You're not going to be able to correlate anything put together. It's just not going to happen. So should my school use a syllabus? Yeah, 100%, 1,000%, 10,000%. Absolutely, they should use a syllabus. So make sure they are using the syllabus. And if you've never heard of a syllabus and you're, you're flying at a flight school right now, you should ask them what syllabus they're teaching you based off of. There's a possibility, small, but a possibility that they could be using a syllabus and you don't realize it. So your flight instructor could be reviewing what syllabus record you're on and then teaching you based on that syllabus, that meaning you're in lesson four, lesson five with Glime or Jeppesen or King or, or whatever syllabus you use. So there is a possibility of that happening. But I would say that if you don't know what syllabus they're utilizing, they're probably not utilizing one. They're probably just using the ACS. So go ask your flight instructor, what syllabus are you utilizing to train me? And if they don't have a good answer, ask them why. And they're going to say, because we just train based on the ACS and that's the standard that the FAA has set forth and that's what we need to train to. No, that answer is BS. Don't take that answer as face value. You're not learning the appropriate skills. If you want to go find out what it's like to uh, utilize a syllabus and, and find out all the things that you're missing in your training that make you a great pilot, I want you to go look at Glime and Glime publishes the private pilot syllabus for free in PDF form. Just Google search Glime private pilot syllabus. And you'll get a PDF of it. And I want you to go through that syllabus and see if you learned. Now, granted, you might not learn the same stuff on lesson one, two, three, as an instructor might teach, especially if they're not using a syllabus, you won't learn those same things. But you should be learning all of those concepts that are listed in that syllabus that Climb puts out that I know you can download for free. And you can even tell your instructor, if you go to a real mom and pop flight school and be like, hey, I want you to utilize the syllabus, they might even say yes. And if they don't, find a new instructor, find a new school. You got to really make sure that somebody's utilizing a syllabus. Collegiate programs, they use um, not only a syllabus, they use a curriculum. And a school might say, we use a curriculum. And that's fine also, as long as they can show you that curriculum and make sure that you could actually see it, know what you're going to be on. Every time you finish a lesson, somebody should actually tell you, this is what we're going to be doing next lesson. Here's the things you should study for. So part of that debriefing, if they don't give you homework, I know all of us hate homework. I've hated homework since I was a kid. Trust me. Like it was my worst nightmare, homework. My son, he's 12 years old. He's almost 13. His worst nightmare is homework too. It's like pulling teeth to get him to do homework. Now I dangle, I dangle like a, a gift or something in front of him. He gets straight A's. I just told him one the other night. So hopefully he actually works on it. But we're all professionals here. We're not in high school. I mean, some of you might be in high school, but most, most people are flight training. They're out of high school. They're into college. This is something that you have an interest in that you want to do. So you need to make sure that you're asking for homework. What is on the next lesson? What should I study and get done? And if you're utilizing a properly utilized syllabus, then you will already know what's going to be on the next lesson. You might not even have to ask that question. You should anyways, but you might not even have to ask that question. So keep all of this in mind. I hope today's episode was, was informational. I know I kind of yabbed on for, uh, for 15 or 20 minutes and uh, it was a little bit, a uh, little bit different than having kind of back and forth uh, with Carson here and and him uh, throwing out some some special things that he researched uh, on his uh, on his show notes and whatnot. But uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode. And our producer Mark got me some new toys, and uh, I just want to remind everybody of something we talked about in the last episode. So I'm going to play this. Are you guys ready for it? If you're not, here you are. 
So keep that in mind always. You can always go around. We use that clip from them and uh, hopefully they don't mind. If they do, send us a bill. We'll pay for it. But uh, thanks so much, everybody, for listening today. And uh, we're really looking forward to getting some more episodes out. And you'll hear us again next week. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me or Carson. You've got our emails, Brandon at uh, aviationmentors.com. For Carson, it's Carson at aviationmentors.com. And please do not forget to uh, press like, subscribe, listen to these episodes, even click download. That is a huge, uh, a huge help for us every single time. And uh, if you can tell your friends about this episode and, and hopefully it, it helps some new student pilots or even some, uh, some pilots going to flight school right now, especially on this syllabus issue, um, which you can obviously tell I am very passionate about uh, because I really think it creates great pilots. And uh, I want everyone here to be a fantastic pilot because you get to fly in the skies with people like me and uh, my family, my son. Uh, you get to, you get to be around people that I love in the sky. So I want you to be safe just as well as I want you to be safe. So hope everyone has a great day and we'll talk soon. Thanks so much.